let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very Looking important. The future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Jacqueline LaPointe, Director of Editorial at Excelgent Healthcare Media. We also have Paul Bolin, Senior Vice President and Chief People Officer of Northern Light Health. Today, we will be discussing key workforce management challenges impacting the healthcare industry and how Northern Light, Maine's only integrated health system with more than 12,000 employees, has executed a strategy to not only maintain an adequate workforce, but ensure it has a diverse set of healthcare professionals to treat their patients. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Jackie. Great to have you here today. So to kick off, we touched on how Northern Light has a diverse workforce, and I should mention the health system has been celebrated for this diversity. We also mentioned how the organization is the only integrated health system in Maine, which can be quite rural in some areas. As many audience members know, attracting and retaining talent in remote areas is very difficult. I would say it's probably getting even more difficult considering how difficult it is to attract and retain talent even in urban areas at this point. Right. So how did leadership at Northern Light come to prioritize diversity? And how are you balancing maintaining an adequate workforce with also ensuring that diversity? Sure. So the first step along the way really is respecting and embracing our differences. And so that's really been part of our culture for many, many years. We've really accelerated that in recent years. Just prior to the pandemic, we had a changing of our CEOs and our new chief executive officer, Tim Dentry, wanted to make sure that our diverse mission and values um, were better reflected in some of our external communications. So outwardly, we've ramped up certainly our approach on attracting and embracing diversity uh, within our workforce, but it's been really part of our culture for some time now. And you know, within Maine, our uh, population is an aging workforce. We're, depending upon the year, we're typically the oldest state in the nation as a population. And Maine generally has a limited diversity overall compared to some other states. So we're a very homogenous state with primarily Caucasian residents. But we know that as we look at our demographics of our changing population, we know that that's something that we need to change and bend that uh, that curve as our population in the state has generally declined and is predicted to decline over the next several years. One of the fortunate things that's happened within Maine in the past five or so years is we've had a lot of migration into the state from new Mainers, uh, some uh, many new to the United States, um, we're welcoming these populations um, who generally start in the southern part of our state, which is the larger metropolitan areas. And we're working hard to welcome those communities to other parts of our state and to join our workforce. Um, so that's really been a lot of uh, the work that's gone on is that outreach, that welcoming environment, and really embracing our differences and recognizing that without new people in our community and in our state and in our organization, we won't have the workforce that we need to take care of our patients going forward. So we see this as a critical piece of our workforce development. So there are many benefits of having a diverse workforce. We see it a lot on the patient engagement side of things. But I was kind of curious, with Northern Light Health, what are the benefits of having a diverse set of healthcare professionals? Sure. So we have diversity among our workforce, and our workforce generally is more diverse than the population of our local communities even, because we're bringing in folks from other parts of the country and other parts of the world and so that diversity is larger in our employee population on a per capita basis. Um, but what we're seeing in those differences among our colleagues 
is that there's learning that's going on. There's different cultures, different practices, different ideas. All of those things together make us stronger and sharing those with one another and being respectful of different cultural traditions have really made us stronger as an organization. And as we see the momentum pick up of different communities coming to our state, we see that those communities are growing organically. People have friends and relatives and colleagues elsewhere, and they encourage them to come to, to our, our state and our area and our workforce. Certainly, that's a big benefit you know, for our patients and our other staff who are here who are welcoming to these new additions to our team. Absolutely. You mentioned how you are seeing different populations coming into the state a little bit more, so you are able to tap into that workforce. But I was kind of curious, too, because this seems like a very intentional move for you guys. So what are some of the strategies that Northern Line has put in to you know, ensure an adequate workforce, but also that diverse workforce? Sure. So a lot of what we do, you know, and it's not only unique to a diverse workforce and encouraging diversity, it's in a rural state, we really are, are used to, in some ways, doing things on our own. This is what we have for resources, and we need to make the best of it, and we need to make it work. So that creativity and ingenuity is really what really is, is I think, the core foundation for, um, for all of this work. And so whether there's sort of a growing your own scholarshiping and a professional development programs within our own staff, so that when they start working here, they can grow throughout their career, and stay with us really is part of the this secret sauce, if you will. One of our most rural hospitals, when I look at the medical staff of that hospital, the average tenure is over 20 years. Um, so when they come, they generally stay. And so that really is heartwarming and it also success breeds success. And so we've got a lot of that type of work going on. But when I think about our communities of new Mainers and immigrants coming to the United States, Many of the issues that they face are work availability, work preparedness, and many are very skilled within a particular trade or discipline, but may not be suitable for licensure yet in the United States. And so when they become eligible to work in the U.S., that's sort of a big milestone. Many come and it's several months before they're able to join the workforce just because of their immigration status. So when they're able to work, you know, they start looking for work. We try to get to them in a proactive way and speak to those communities before they're eligible to work and, and help them with things such as identifying resources, some cultural services within the communities, English language learning or whatever might be appropriate. We also have the concept that there are some volunteer opportunities for some of those to help them with their cultural assimilation to, to Northern Light Health and get to know us a little bit better in some of those capacities where they're able to perform you know, those volunteer duties on a limited basis just to get a, get a sense of what we're about. And we're finding that that certainly resonates well with those communities and uh, makes us not a stranger. So when they are eligible to work, um, they think of us when they are uh, joining the workforce and we certainly welcome them when they do. Like you mentioned, Paul, you do have some particularly rural hospitals located in remote regions, not a lot of people in the in the community. Do you have a strategy in place for workforce development? Have you had any lessons learned or have you uncovered any opportunities to improve these strategies? Sure. I mean, nothing's perfect. And we, we certainly know that we don't have it all figured out, but we know that Having a welcoming environment, offering development opportunities, which may include sponsoring people as they seek higher education, could be through scholarships. We also have programs where pay an employee their full-time wage, but they reduce their hours down to 16 hours a week. And our full-time students maintaining full-time placement in their course of study. So we pay their tuition, we pay them a full wage. So some of those barriers are taken away that might uh, 
either lengthen the time it takes to complete your education or some of the other barriers and try to try to make sure that we're focused on the future with those colleagues. And so that really is something that we've we've seen benefit a number of people who may not have otherwise had the opportunity to complete their degree or certainly not in the time frame that those programs would allow them to do it. And then, of course, that means they join our workforce at a higher level, performing higher level duties uh, for our patients, uh, which benefits the employees and their families and, and certainly the patients as well. So it's sort of a grow your own approach. And that is you know very helpful, especially in remote communities where we see populations like those communities, love those communities and have roots there. But oftentimes it's hard to get someone from outside those communities to move in because it is rural and there and there aren't as many conveniences that you might find uh, in a more metropolitan area. Yeah, absolutely. Like we mentioned before, Northern Light has faced a lot of challenges in terms of, you know, managing, developing its workforce. I think that's especially key now because a lot of other organizations, whether or not they're in rural areas, are also facing similar challenges because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mm -hmm. persistent labor shortages. So I was kind of wanting to pick your brain about how has clinician burnout and those labor shortages affected your organization and what are you guys doing about that? Sure. So Northern Light was not immune to staffing challenges uh, during the pandemic. I think that you know, most healthcare organizations had to rely on traveling staff, you know, whether it's nurses or physicians or others. We tried to do everything that we could to make sure that our staff knew we cared about them, you know, and that really is what we continue to share with them on a regular basis. But, you know, we know that these challenges are, are something that were a reality. We had to face them. We needed to care for our communities in a rural setting, especially there's nobody else to provide these services. It's not like a larger metropolitan area where there might be two, three, four, or five healthcare systems operating in a particular market. With rare exception, in our markets, we're the only place to receive healthcare at a med surge or tertiary level, and we're really a safety net for services for two-thirds of the state of Maine. And so because of that, curtailing services, shutting departments down, et cetera, during the pandemic, really, for most modes of care, was not an option. And so certainly with the help of some additional travelers that we would bring in to help maintain that workforce, to provide those extra services, we certainly had our own challenges there. But what we did is really we doubled down with our staff and said, look, we don't know what this pandemic is going to bring, but we do know that we're committed to our staff. And we were bold right up front and said, we're not laying anybody off. That was something that resonated well and was not common in the healthcare industry with a commitment like that. And that was something that I think boded well for us um, in retaining the staff that we had. And we were very clear that we weren't laying people off. We know we would need them. We knew the pandemic was going to end at some point. It certainly lasted longer than most people expected. But we also saw during the course of the pandemic, those that stopped hiring and shut down their recruitment work, you know, suffered because it takes a long time to restart that. And so we never let up the throttle of our hiring, of our recruitment of physicians, nurses, and others. And that served us very well, I think, during the pandemic. It was a risk. We didn't know what that all meant, but we knew that we were committed to it and we needed to be a leaning post for our staff because our patients are leaning on them to care for them in the community and our staff needed that support. To further that, we also knew that from a behavioral health standpoint um, that our staff were going to need those supports as well. And so the pandemic had those immediate medical needs and emergent needs, but also on a behavioral health and, and mental health support 
side. We also accelerated our work in that area. And our own behavioral health group through our employee assistance plan is, is part of Northern Light. And so that group actually was contracted by the state of Maine to provide uh, behavioral health support services to healthcare workers throughout the state, well outside of EMMC or Northern Light Health or any of our other member organizations. And the focus really was that they've got local staff supporting local staff. And that really has been a great support for our team, as well as healthcare workers throughout the state of Maine. And we're very, very proud of the work that they've done to help us support our team. That's amazing. Yeah, we see a lot about the clinician experience becoming so much more important, especially in light of record burnout rates. Yeah. Have you seen lingering effects from the labor challenges that you faced during the pandemic, especially now that we're considering that, I guess, official post-pandemic era where, you know, the public health emergency is ending. So I guess, how are you carrying on that, those supports you had now that the pandemic is quote unquote over? Sure. So you know, the pandemic officially ends May 11th, I think, is the date uh, where, where it officially becomes no longer a pandemic. And that's, you know, a date we're all looking forward to celebrating as a milestone. But we know that the impacts of the pandemic will go on for some time. And the recovery, uh, the financial recovery and service recovery throughout healthcare is going to continue, you know, well beyond that date. But we also know that our staff have been very resilient, you know, and it's really awe-inspiring the work that people have done during the pandemic. I look back and think of the work to mass vaccinate, you know, such a large part of our population with, you know, very little prior planning prior to the pandemic. We have emergency planning, but we had never prepared to vaccinate the whole population in a short window of time. And so really amazing efforts by uh, by employees all over coming together to support one another. And that can-do spirit really has helped carry us through the pandemic to bring us to today. But people are tired. And that's not unusual for Northern Light. I think that's really, you know, something that's consistent throughout a lot of the workforce. We certainly saw um, some people decide to change industries. That was also very common in healthcare to either leave healthcare or in Maine, there was a state mandated vaccine requirement that didn't allow religious or other exemptions that would have been considered eligible in other states. And so that put us at, at a slight disadvantage in terms of, you know, some of those folks would be encouraged to go to other states to practice their skills. But overall, we've seen, you know, our staff have stuck together. They've stuck it out with us, and we're so thankful for that. And when I look at the turnover of our staff, our physician group, for example, very, very little change in the turnover of our physicians from prior pandemic throughout the whole last three years. And that really goes to the testament to our valued physicians and uh, advanced practice providers, their commitment to our communities and our patients and to the organization. And so, we saw certainly significant turnover, as did other healthcare uh, industries early on in the pandemic. We've worked hard to listen to our staff, to understand why people might be leaving, and use that information that they tell us to make changes. And so we know that our turnover still isn't where we want it, but it's better than it was last year. We're using that feedback from staff to help improve ourselves so that we can continue to be a place that they feel supported and want to work. Absolutely. I was curious about the feedback you're getting about improving the workforce experience. You know, how do people respond to some of the supports you guys set up and the strategies you already had in place? How is that influencing what you're going to do next in terms of workforce development and management? Sure, thanks. So some of the things that we did early on, just to give you a glimpse of some of the ideas that we had, we knew our staff needed a number of supports. Some of them would be benefits. So we modified our paid time off plan to allow employees, if they didn't have paid time off, we allowed them to dip into a negative balance 
and we would cover them. So they would have wage continuation if they had to be out due to a non-work-related illness, whether it's taking care of a loved one, et cetera, that might not have qualified for our short-term disability. We wanted to make sure they had wage continuation and, and at least didn't have to worry about dollars if they were caring for a sick loved one, et cetera, or other need during the pandemic. Um, but also we made sure that we had other opportunities uh, to support staff. We took general enhancements to our parental leave policy and other, other programs to support our team. We changed our health benefits to remove co-payments for behavioral health services so that beyond the initial employee assistance services, if someone or a family member needed more in-depth services or treatment, that money was not a barrier for them to do that. And so we did a number of those things to, to focus on the needs that were unique to the pandemic to provide those supports for our staff. And really that's, that's I think, helped people quite a bit from the feedback we've received. Also, we ask people, what's your opinion? Either informally through department meetings, but also staff surveys, et cetera. And those, those items of feedback, you know, it's not just a number we're looking for and a score that people, how do you rate your boss? How do you rate your employer? Those are helpful. But the real value in that is the written comments that people provide and the ideas. And then engaging them afterward to say, you know, this is what we've heard. Either we need more to better understand the issue or it's very clear and, and we can make some changes based upon that. In addition, clear and transparent communication, I think, was helpful because everyone was scared. Everyone was, was unsure of what was coming next. In fact, even now, every Tuesday afternoon, there's a group of us, our infection prevention team, me and a, and a few others are really focused on just an open forum to provide people updates on what's happening in terms of the pandemic. And so we've had a following of that group that really has provided, you know, weekly question and answer about vaccines, about disease, as well as, you know, other topics that might come up, benefits, et cetera. And as we look going forward, you know, what we learned through the pandemic was that communication really is critical, which is nothing new, but looking for different ways to communicate and reach people whether it's social media based, whether it's other forms of communication, but having that interaction, that two-way interaction, not just providing information, but also receiving it and having those interactions really continue to be, it sounds basic, but it really makes a difference um, in, in hearing people and in making sure that not only are they heard, but they're involved in changes that affect them. Yeah, absolutely. I think too that you know, that idea of we're hearing from the workforce a lot more now, especially in the healthcare industry. Right. So have you noticed an uptick in engagement with your employees in terms of, you know, letting you know what they want out of their experience? Yeah. And so engagement's measured in a few ways. We've had a very high participation for our employee engagement surveys. And so where we might have a goal of 60 or 65% of our staff fill out a voluntary survey, we're seeing organizations within our company that are well over 75%. You know, it, it means that people are understanding that the feedback they give is reviewed, is considered, and does make an impact. And so, again, as I mentioned before, success begets success. People know that this is taken seriously, and so they, they find it valuable to provide that feedback, which is so helpful to us. You know, that's one of the things that we can do, you know, is continue to learn how do people want to get their information. And that is constantly evolving, especially with remote workers. In healthcare, there's always going to be work that requires somebody at the bedside. 
Um, but we, we do have people um, in different functions who can work remotely or work from one facility to support staff in another facility. So we want to make sure that regardless of the environment in which you work, there's a way to feel connected with your colleagues, with your organization, and with the mission of the organization, the patients. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth mentioning, too, that Northern Lights digging into perhaps, you know, why people switched fields during the pandemic or why they decided to leave their positions. But there's also the idea that a lot of these healthcare professionals are just nearing retirement age. Sure. And we see this across other industries as well. So how are you kind of facing that challenge where it's it's nothing really you can do? Yeah. You know, these people are just, they decide to retire after, you know, years of, you know, dedicating themselves, especially in the healthcare field. So how are you guys responding to that, especially in Maine, where you said, you know, you do have an aging population? Right. And so, you know, you bring up a great point. With an aging population, our workforce generally is older than other workforces. It's funny, when I look at our workforce in total, we're certainly aging. When I look at our workforce in different groups, such as nursing or physicians or support staff, et cetera, it tells a slightly different story, which is a, a little glimpse of what we can expect for our future workforce. So in particular, nursing. And we're seeing our nursing age skew downward because we've been focusing over the last few years on increasing the matriculation rate from schools of nursing throughout the state. We've always worked hard to recruit nurses. Um, that's nothing new to healthcare, but we've really worked hard with our state governments as well as local schools and universities to ensure that they're able to graduate at a higher and faster rate because we know that the gap in nursing needs throughout the state are widening. We're starting to turn that. And so we're also seeing that in the number of new grads we bring in. And so the age of our of our nursing workforce is, is starting to tick downward, which is great news. You know, talking to a certified nurse's assistant or other support staff and encouraging them to start nursing school sounds like a really long-term proposition. But whether it's an associate degree or a baccalaureate program, it's just a few years and they're ready to be nurses. And so we really want to make sure that those that those staff are supported and see that they can achieve their career goals. And having our staff provide adjunct faculty support to the colleges and universities is critical because their staff are aging out as well. We also want to make sure that we're being as creative as possible to identify meaningful ways that people can have a phased retirement. So instead of going from full-time work, there might be part-time or per diem opportunities. There might be less physical work. And so we're trying to make sure that our colleagues are well-informed and making the right decision for themselves. So that's that's all part of that support that we provide throughout the career and working lives. So do you have any words of wisdom for us, especially considering all the challenges that we're hearing about? I mean, burnout, labor shortages, you know, we hear about strikes, layoffs, there's a lot going on. It, it can be a little difficult to see the light. So do you have any words of wisdom for other healthcare organizations that are, that are facing a lot of workforce management and development challenges? Sure. I, you know, I, I guess my words of wisdom are no one has got it completely figured out. We certainly don't. And we would expect the labor market to be, you know, very dynamic over the next several years. That's, I think, what people need to focus on. Some organizations who think, well, this is the way it is now and let's just move forward. That's not going to work likely because Having that close pulse of feedback from your staff is invaluable because staff will tell you quickly if their needs are changing. They did it during the pandemic. We know that today is not what we'll need to provide for our staff for needs you know, a year or two from now. We just don't know what some of those changes will be. And keeping that close communication and being receptive to changing how we've done things, making sure that you're offering benefits that are valuable to staff. You might think they're valuable in terms of dollars, but do your staff value them? 
Are there other opportunities, whether it's benefit design, employment experience, scheduling, whatever it might be, all of those things need to be on the table to discuss and be flexible as much as possible so that you can meet the needs of your staff uh, who ultimately are needed to meet the needs of our patients. Thank you for sharing with us, Paul, and all the successes you've had at Northern Light. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. And for our listeners, please reach out to me at jlapointe at excelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts on healthcare workforce management and development. You can also use that email address to send us any healthcare-related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering in the future. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare Strategies, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Excelligent Healthcare Media production. 